Hey everyone, this is Achuta Bavo from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to talk about some of the astrology coming up over this weekend, specifically the triple conjunction that's coming up between Mars, the Sun, and Mercury, who is retrograde and also going to move through the Kazemi or conjunction with the Sun over the weekend. So just giving you guys a little prep for that, because um, we won't be back until Monday, and it's a good transit to be aware of that's perfecting over the weekend. So that's what we're going to look at. Also, another chart demo today. Um, prom promoting my upcoming classes, I am going to show you another element of predictive astrology, why and how it's really important. And um, I'm going to put that at the end of today's video in case you want to stick around and learn more about reading charts. It's good for anyone if you're at home learning how to study charts. This will be give you some good tips on uh, some things to look for when reading a chart. And also, uh, I'll talk a little bit about how some of the techniques are reflected in the curriculum that I teach in my programs. My new course is coming up on November 13th. It's called Ancient Astrology for the Modern Mystic. So um, you can check it out on my website, and I'll show you how to find it later on in today's video when I go through that birth chart demo. So for now, let's go ahead and take a look at the real-time clock and see what kind of astrology we've got coming up over the weekend. Now, this is just going to be kind of a quick take to give you some sense of what to expect, what to watch for. We've talked about this several times this month already in the monthly overview, some of the videos earlier this week, the new moon in Libra video in particular. So here you can see the stellium that's been forming around the new moon. I will tell you with the moon in its fall in Scorpio right now, uh, things are going to be looking a lot better once the moon gets into Sagittarius over the weekend. So if we go forward just about a day from now, Saturday, October 9th, you're going to see that the moon is just about to move into Sagittarius and it, where it will conjoin um, Venus. And then it is configured throughout the weekend through sextile to the stellium in Libra to its own host, Jupiter and Saturn by sextile. So um, really the the astrology should pick up in terms of some of the early heaviness that we've been experiencing some of the intensity of the combustion of mars and so forth um we're going to talk about this from a few different angles but just in general to say that the early part of this moon cycle with mercury retrograde combust and heading into the sun mars combust the um the early feature of venus and the culminating degree of scorpio you're going to see some of the energy start to shift and probably for the better over the weekend. Not that we're totally out of the woods. There's still some challenges potentially with this triple conjunction over the weekend, but just so you guys know that once the moon gets out of its fall, then it's configured to the sun in what we call the waxing crescent phase, where you're kind of starting to see the moon a little bit more in the sky and it's configured to the sun by a sextile that's harmonious. That's of the nature of Venus. Venus has just shifted signs and gotten out of its detriment. Mars is now being reborn. Mercury is about to be reborn through the kind of fiery combustion with the sun and the, the conjunction that shifts all of that. So we are starting to see some shifts for the better. Not that, again, not that we're totally out of the woods or anything, but um, let's just go ahead and take a look at what happens over the weekend. So if we go to, uh, let's just take a look at where we are today. This is Friday, October 8th. You can see that we have the triple conjunction right here between Mercury, the Sun, and Mars. Now, Mars is at the heart of the Sun right now. This is not exactly the, the rosy Kazemi that you would think about when you, when you typically think about a Kazemi. The reason for that is that Mars, Mars is funny when it's combust the Sun because sometimes Mars is described as the right hand of the Sun. 
And some authors have actually speculated throughout time that Mars may be not the most um, combustible planet in the sense that it's, it's already a pretty fiery and hot planet, runs hot. And when it's at the center of the sun, sometimes you get an excessively hot and fiery Mars, which can be, you know, not so great. But sometimes it's also like, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's like trying to make boiling water more boily. You know, it's kind of, so it's kind of, it doesn't necessarily um, stand out as much in my experience, but the dignity can really shift things. So when you have the sun in its fall and Mars in its detriment, um, that, that kind of, that kind of Kazemi isn't always the greatest thing. Let me give you guys an example. Some of you guys may remember that um, last year, and this was news on my, this is something I shared publicly a few times. Unfortunately, um, one of the regular subscribers comment or someone who was really active on my YouTube channel in the comments section took their own life. And um, this actually happened right as Mercury was Kazemi, but debilitated in Sagittarius. So we had a debilitated, a debilitated Mercury Kazemi. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that happened with this individual was, you know, they, I, I believe they, they were struggling with like bipolar or something like that. And they had some really intense increased delusions around that time. Um, I'm not going to go into it, obviously it's private, but I just was struck by how the dignity of Mercury or the dignity of Mars or whatever is combust. The sun really does matter when it comes to a Kazemi because, when you're thinking of a Kazemi planet right at the heart of the sun, you're thinking about the planet really empowering that planet. But if the planet is already in a place where it's um, it's weakened or it's compromised in some way, then what you're empowering is sort of like a, a compromised or, you know, but potentially more challenging planet. So it's, it's like context is so important. And I'll just, I'll just never forget being like, how is it that someone would you know, take their life during this Kazemi, which I thought was supposed to be so positive, but really it was, you know, because it was a debilitated Mercury, this person, um, the, the delusions were so strong and this person was really, really suffering under the weight of them, unfortunately. So when you think about a debilitated Mars, the heart of the sun, for example, like my wife, my daughter, and my, my, all, all three of us, um, well, my oldest daughter, my younger one, she's doing fine, but all three of us woke up with like weird neck pains after sleeping um, weird. Um, uh, for some reason, all of us ended up losing our pillows during the night and like sleeping without a pillow. It was kind of crazy. So we had this weird, almost like synchronicity where we all had like neck spine stuff, which is getting better now, but that came in right as the Kazemi was coming in yesterday. And, um, and, and so, you know, sometimes you're going to, and that's not uncommon, by the way, when you have Mars and the sun together to see um, spinal stuff come up for people or um, nerve pain or, or something like that. So sometimes it's just, you know, when there's a debilitated Mars, it's like you're going to get um, fatigue or a feeling of weakness or um, increased sense of agitation or frustration or hostility or, you know, frayed nerve kind of feeling. So don't be surprised if there's just a little bit of agitation in the air with this one, even though I know Kazemi is very empowering, what it's empowering might now right now with Mars could be just a little bit more challenging. So that doesn't mean that there's not a constructive side to this. I like Mercury getting in on the mix of this triple conjunction a lot, because I think Mercury is, um, you know, it, the, the Kazemi with Mercury could be a lot more just effective. So when we see 
Mercury get in on the conjunction tomorrow. So this is October 9th, Saturday. You're seeing Mercury with the sun, with Mars, all in that sort of triple conjunction in Libra. What I like about this, again, is that right as that's happening, the moon is also going to shift into Sagittarius and get out of its fall. So we're starting to see, um, you know, really the improvement on a, on a number of different levels. You're starting to see almost like a, a change of momentum in the sky, just generally speaking. Why is that? Because the sun is passing over Mars now. They're passing through the Kazemi. And that was talked about, especially by uh, traditional astrologers, as a moment of you know, where the planet's almost gone, it's like, been, I bet it's been on its deathbed. It's been an old or um, a, a planet running out of steam, running out of gas, running out of energy, running out of life force, hits the conjunction to the sun. And there's this moment of revitalization, uh, like the time when a person gets out of their bed after being sick for a few days. It's not that you're perfectly healthy right away, but you can feel your energies come back, right? So that's what we're going to see happening over Saturday and Sunday as Mercury goes through the heart of the sun and Mars is passed through the heart of the sun. And then both of those planets are going to start very gradually to, a, to rise as morning stars. Now that's going to take a little while. It's going to take some weeks, but as those planets rise as morning stars, they're being born again. And so the beginning of a kind of recovery phase for whatever's been going on, especially in the Libra whole sign house of your birth chart, um, that's something to watch out for. For example, it's been in my sixth house of my birth chart, which is a place of illness and sickness. And I've not um, been sick with anything, but I have felt so fatigued and drained uh, just because of the workload and you know stuff with kids and their schools and uh, just all sorts of projects going on. And I've just been feeling like, more of a drain on my energy. Now, of course, that Mars um, was also squaring my moon for the past couple of weeks. And so just the, the feeling of like, you know, lethargy and uh, just kind of a, a feeling, underlying feeling of um, feeling run down, you know, and then turning the corner with that has been, I've been feeling that, especially the past two days, it's been like, oh, I can feel my energy starting to come back. And that's as Mars is going through the heart of the sun. They're both passing over a square to my moon. So you really have to pay attention to what's going on in your birth chart. If you know aspects and see what that Mars has been doing. Otherwise, just look at the whole sign house. You know, if it's been in your 10th, maybe there's been challenges at work. And maybe now over the weekend, you're going to start to see that turning point. Uh, same thing if it's in your seventh, your relationships, if it's in your fourth, stuff around home and family. So you can go back to the horoscopes that I did at the beginning of the month to get a breakdown of all 12 whole sign houses based on your rising sign. At any rate, the other thing that comes to mind with this triple conjunction is, you know, Mercury and Mars together were associated with things like math and science, analytical reasoning. I mean, it, if you're a surgeon and you have to learn how to use a scalpel, that could be a Mercury-Mars thing. If you're someone who has to make decisions like on an executive level in a company, that's a Mercury-Mars thing. If you're the right-hand man or woman um, or, or person of, of a... Um, you know, an executive of some kind, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm the one who has to, I'm the, I'm the right hand person of the boss, you know, Mercury, Mars, potentially at the heart of the sun, empowered decision-making, empowered speech, the need to negotiate things, the need to um, reach resolution or compromise with an aura of tension or conflict around it, challenges in reaching agreements, potential termination of previous agreements and the need to revise or redo some kind of an agreement. Those would all be um, pretty, you know, par for the course with this triple conjunction over the weekend. So the other thing that could come up would be sharp words. You want to be real careful of the 
kind of sharpness of speech. This placement at its worst could be very judgmental. Um, Mercury, Mars, and the sun in its fall, Mars and its detriment in Libra, a sign that usually has to do with careful, wise, balanced decision-making and discernment, but sometimes can also reflect a kind of judgy, superficial, or vain quality. So, you know, you want to be careful that you aren't making decisions that are um, self-serving and superficial, but, you know, wearing the costume of like wiseness or discernment on the outside. Um, also, Mercury, Mars, and the sun together can have something to do with like having to make a difficult choice. Maybe it's a moral or an ethical bind that you find yourself in, but just watch for that, that triple conjunction to be about, um, you know, being at some kind of crossroads intellectually, mentally in, in relationship at work and, and having to, you know, like really balance a number of different factors, weigh things out carefully and then make a choice. It's an empowered choice that also could turn the tide somehow, could shift the momentum in a more positive direction. I also, I like the weekend with, there's like a kind of a fun energy in the air. The moon's going to be in Sagittarius. Venus is now out of its detriment and configured to its ruler, Jupiter. Jupiter and Saturn in the next week or so are both going to turn direct. There's definitely, the, the second part of this moon cycle, especially once we get past the full moon, um, I, I think of as kind of a relief, like, okay, there's a, there's a lot that's been a lot of energy that's been, um, uh, transferred from the beginning of the cycle through the full moon of the cycle, and probably a feeling of weight being released, especially if you've had to make hard choices or, or tough calls early on in the cycle. The other thing to remember is that when we get closer to the full moon, remember the sun and, um, and Mars are going to go through squares to Pluto, which will have this kind of like, um, you know, very cathartic effect. So the decisions we're making now also don't think that, you know, you can get away with, um, uh, you know, like, like if you're trying to avoid a conflict or trying to avoid a difficult decision, don't think you'll get away with it because by the time of the full moon, full moon will be in Aries, which is the sign of Mars. And you're going to have Mars square Pluto, the sun square Pluto. So don't try to hide anything from yourself. Don't try to hide anything from others. Try to be upfront and forward about the way you're doing things. Um, and, and, you know, making tough choices, but, um, but making them in a way that's not, not trying to, you know, not self, be very careful about selfish motivations, during, especially over this weekend when these three planets are getting together, because, um, we do, we are going to have to deal with some consequences for the early part of this moon phase, right around the full moon in another week or so. All right. So that's what I've got for today. Just some thoughts to get the wheels spinning for what you might see this weekend with Mercury, Mars, and the sun. The other thing I would warn about is anything around, you know, be careful with communication, but be careful with things involving like technology and travel. Someone asked me if they could buy this um, particular technological device. And I was like, honestly, you know, I just wait a week or two. Like if, if, it, if it's no rush, then wait a week or two. Um, I think, you know, just messing with Mercury and Mars when they're both combust but at times and um, Mars debilitated, like, you know, I wouldn't do anything particularly risky or dangerous with technology purchases or, you know, just like Mercury. So travel, be just know what you're getting into if you're going to an airport or, and also like just being careful, you know, not to let anger get in the way, like public confrontations, confrontations in public places where, you know, people are potentially a little bit more fired up and a little less able to keep the peace. People may act a little bit more irrationally or 
um, reactively around what they believe to be fair or right or just, like a little bit of a punitive self-righteous energy in the air, like I'm going to be the cosmic judge of someone or something, which could actually turn violent or, um, you know, so you just want to be careful with that. I'm right now, for example, I'm trying to be careful when I'm driving even just because Mercury Mars is uh, sometimes associated with like accidents. So, you know, just, just, you know, careful energy over the weekend for everybody. All right. Anyway. Um, so, and it doesn't, it doesn't hurt honestly to just take a moment to throw up some prayers and ask, uh, ask for, you know, some guidance and support in working with these energies. It's always like the, the best prayer. I don't necessarily know what's best for me. I don't necessarily know where I'm going. I have some sense of what energies are coming through. Help me to receive them in a way that's, you know, full of love and, um, and all the best virtues and just see what happens. All right. Well, at any rate, um, thank you guys. Uh, I'm going to demo a chart for you now that comes from my practice. I'm trying to illustrate why it is important to study um, elements of uh, predictive astrology. Ancient astrology, as I've said many times on my channel, one of the benefits of studying ancient astrology, especially if you're coming from some knowledge of modern astrology already, is that most of what modern astrology is doing is giving you the ability to look at a chart and understand something of the psychological temperament and character of the individual. In ancient astrology, there's, of course, elements of understanding temperament and character built into the texts, you know, 2,500 years ago that that kind of stuff is around. At the same time, there's much more of an emphasis on understanding what kind of fate or destined, fated or destined events based on the karma of the soul, based on its past lives, its current situation is going to unfold. And astrology, up until the modern era, has always place an emphasis on being able to do predictive work for people in the same way that, you know, one would hopefully be able to speak with a, a psychic, for example, and the psychic should be able to, you know, maybe not give you perfect information about the future, but give you a sense of what they see, what kinds of events that they may see coming. And the idea here is not to amplify our sense of attachment to the future, but to help us to walk through those elements of life that are destined or fated, because a lot of the times, you know, we have free will and the, the, the game board of life is always moving. So it's really hard to know exactly what kind of karma we can change, what we can't change. But if you have a sense of what seasons of karma are coming at any given time, and if you have astrology as a helpful companion when it comes to making important decisions or understanding what kinds of events are likely to happen around what kinds of times, you can really walk with more equanimity and less attachment to results, good or bad. The real wealth of our heart is in taking all experiences as um, equally divine and interesting and beautiful um, so that we don't get too attached to the times where things are going really well, uh, because then we're setting ourselves up. Or ancient astrologers said this, we're setting ourselves up for potential um, devastation because the only thing that's certain is that um, all things pass, the good things and the bad things. So at any rate, um, predictive astrology is meant to um, help us move through the faded elements of life with grace, intelligence, ease, flexibility. And also it's meant to help us use our free will more carefully. Um, so at any rate, that being said, I want to show you guys something that came into my practice recently. This is a horary chart, which is an element of, <clears throat> uh, it's a predictive approach. And it was paired alongside of someone who was receiving a, um, a Uranus transit to their natal Venus. So Uranus to natal Venus can mean that, um, you know, among other things, for example, people will often have treatments uh, done like beauty, beauty procedures done. They might have 
like um, Botox done, or maybe they get a breast augmentation or they'll have some kind of procedure done. So this person was considering doing a procedure as Uranus was approaching Venus. So they know a little bit of astrology and they were nervous. They said, you know, I know that Uranus Venus transits. Sometimes the result may not be so good. Sometimes Uranus Venus is going to simply indicate that, hey, the desire to look younger, the desire to use some kind of interesting beauty technology is present in your life right now, and you're going to use it and get some results. On the other hand, sometimes, you know, people, whether it's a tattoo or a new hairdo or a new wardrobe or some kind of, um, you know, uh, treatment or procedure will turn out really bad. And it's really hard to say, unless you do an analysis of the natal chart really carefully. And then usually you have to pair it with some uh, several techniques. Ancient astrology is really good at this. When it comes to being able to use a technique and say, will this procedure work or will it have any unwanted ramifications? Will my body like it or reject it? You know, like what will happen here? So I'm going to show you a horary that was paired with someone who had, you know, some concerns about a Uranus Venus. There's a Uranus Venus dynamic going on. So should I try the procedure? This is the horary chart that I cast. Now, um, the uh, here's here's what we're looking at. Um, in this case, the individual is always going to, in a horary question, is always going to be represented by the moon, or excuse me, the ruler of the ascendant and the moon. Well, in this case, cancer is rising, so the native is just represented by the moon. So the moon is in cancer in the 12th house. First of all, when a person uh, is asking this kind of question, they have concern. Um, they also, one of the things that they had a concern about was, you know, having um, sensitive skin and the potential for a bad reaction because they have had difficult reactions to different kinds of procedures done in the past, like bad allergic reactions, and wasn't sure if they should do it. One thing that I noticed right away in this horary, and I'm trying to help the person discern, you know, because sometimes just, again, just Uranus Venus alone is, you know, I've seen it go both ways. So how can I tell exactly if that's going to be a good idea or not? This is where horary is so helpful. And this is one of the predictive craft tools of ancient astrology, a whole course that I teach in, in horary. Uh, of course, students have to have been in my year one program first before taking this or have previous Hellenistic training. But at any rate, so this person's the moon, moon's in the 12th house. That tells me right away, hmm, 12th house, a place that was associated with undermining influences. Oftentimes it's our own blind spots, a place that's sometimes described as a house of self undoing. Makes me a little nervous right away. Now the procedure in medical horary uh, sometimes, and I'm not a big medical horary guy, so don't flood me with medical questions because I'm really even not, not that great at them to be honest with you. But the um, the tenth house ruler in this case, Aries is on the tenth house cusp. I use uh, quadrant based houses in horary. That was the way I was trained, and a lot of medieval astrology textbooks on horary are going to use quadrant houses. So I do. At any rate, you have um, Mars as the ruler of the tenth house. Now the procedure is thus represented by Mars. This makes sense because the moon is just about to go into a square with Mars in Libra. And we know that this person actually uh, was thinking of going and getting this done rather imminently. In fact, I, they might've even had it scheduled already. At any rate, um, so we can see the moon moving into a square with Mars. Now, in the way that I've been taught or the way that I work, which is um, to look at receptions between the planets, we can see that the moon in Cancer is in the fall of Mars. 
So it, it's not in a sign that loves or embraces Mars. This would be a way of saying that her, the native, and her body, the thing in consideration here, is, does not love the procedure. In fact, it's in a very bad uh, dignity of Mars. You know, it's, it's, it's not in a place that does well for Mars at all. In the meantime, what do we see about Mars? The procedure itself is also suspect. The procedure itself is suspect because it's represented by a combust and debilitated Mars. A combust and debilitated Mars that's moving into a conjunction with the fixed star Vindemiatrix, not sure if I'm pronouncing that exactly right, but Vindemiatrix is sometimes called the widow maker. And it is a fixed star that has a lot of negative associations with it. And one of the things that one of my, you know, my um, main horary teacher, John Frawley has said in the past is that this is a star that oftentimes represents something that a person's going to do that they really know they, they should not do, right? They, 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 they know is probably not a good idea. So now we have the procedure looking very bad with poor reception to the body of the native, the native in the 12th house, and the procedure itself on the fixed star Vindemiatrix, which is not necessarily auspicious. In addition to that, we can also see that Mars is in Antitia, a uh, little pretty close Antitia with Neptune, which not necessarily great. I, I'm not excited about seeing there being this kind of secretive conjunction with Neptune makes me feel like I can't see there's there's something that you, you know is um, blurry, potentially deceptive, not not necessarily trustworthy about the procedure. So the point in this is not to uh, freak people out. I don't necessarily believe that, that this is a sign that hey, you would die. But I do believe this is a sign that this person, when they wrote, was feeling suspicious about whether or not their body would do well with this. They weren't necessarily trusting it, but they were feeling inclined to do it and, and kind of needing some advice. You know, in the background, that there's that concern about Venus and Uranus, right? So this is the way that I can use a general um, approach to uh, natal astrology, uh, you know, what do, what, do, what do Uranus and Venus tell us, right? And, and look at the natal context of the karma and the person's chart. And then I can pair it with a specific predictive technique in horary that gives me a sense that, yeah, this procedure doesn't really look good for you. So I offer my opinion and I say, look, if it were me making the choice based on this chart, I probably would avoid this procedure. That being said, I'm not always 100% correct. I always tell you always have to tell people that in predictive astrology, just like I've worked with some great psychics. And one of the things I've heard a few psychics tell me in the past, uh, reliable people that have done really good work for me is um, uh, I have a pretty good track record. I don't bat, I don't bat a thousand, you know, <laughs> like, like I get, I'll get a lot of things right. Some things I don't get right. And it's, it's important to tell people that we're not trying to be, we're not trying to score points by, you know, it's not, it's not a contest to see oh, how, how you know, impressive am I because I can get things right. We're using this to try to help people make decisions, just like you might cast the I Ching or tarot cards to get information to help you make a decision. So ancient astrology has a lot of really good predictive tools in the toolkit that are meant to do just this. This is why I'm so passionate about teaching people a more predictive approach to natal astrology. You can learn more about my upcoming course on my website, nightlightastrology.com. Um, it is, here we go. You can see nightlightastrology.com. Go to the courses page, click on the first year course. And if you scroll down, you can learn about my one-year intensive program in ancient Hellenistic astrology. This course 
The first year program is meant to be paired ideally with my second year program and my horary program in sequence so that when people come out of three years of study, they're really, really ready to have a very high level natal practice. Some people take it more for personal enrichment or just because they want to deepen their hobby study of astrology, whatever the case might be, if you're just wanting to learn more about your own birth chart, people take it for all, a lot of different reasons. But this course is um, ideal for people who are saying, you know what, I think I've got a handle on some of the archetypes, understanding character, understanding psychology. Most people start learning astrology in the modern era through that approach. But sometimes people are left with the feeling of like, I know that there was, you know, you, you know, because it's a very old science. And if you've ever learned anything about Indian astrology, you also know that there is an incredibly elaborate and deep craft that has to do with um, being able to predict and understand the different seasons of fate and karma or destiny. Those are the kinds of things that the, 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 our guides plan for us. And having some understanding of what's going to happen at what times is very, very helpful and important. And it goes side by side with understanding our character and cultivating our free will. They, they, they have to be paired together for well-rounded astrology to occur. That's my, you know, my humble opinion. At any rate, so this program is really a study of, of um, fate and destiny in the um, ancient modality. So if you're interested, you can learn all about it on my website. Click on, the, like I said, click on the first year course page, scroll down to the bottom. You can find the early bird payment. You want to make sure you take advantage of that before the class starts. That is only, that only runs up to the week before class starting. And then, uh, which is November 13th, um, payment, there's a payment plan. If you need it, there's also need-based tuition. Um, I, my wife and I for 10 years had a donation-based yoga studio, we had donation and sliding scale price ranges available for all of our services. Um, and so what I'm doing, you know, for this class for many years now is making sure that there's always um, need-based tuition available for people who, you know, could not otherwise afford the full price of like a comprehensive training course in astrology. And I've just always trusted that, again, I've said this recently, but people who can afford the going rate are going to be able to do that. And people who need help because of their life circumstances or situation uh, can take advantage of, um, of a sliding scale of the need-based tuition. So um, please feel free to do that. If, if that's you, people who are single parents or what, whatever your situation might be, um, I've, I've, it's been a joy over the years to have a lot of single moms come through the program who are working two jobs, who, you know, are really trying to also build something of their passion in life while parenting and having to make ends meet and people who are, were hit really hard by COVID, uh, who have uh, only, you know, been able to retain maybe part-time work, whatever the case might be, if studying astrology is something that would lift you up and add some soul to your life and you need a little help to do it, just see if you can um, use the need-based tuition. We have explanation about how it works if you click on the tab on the website. So hope you guys are doing well. I hope you guys have a great weekend with these astrological energies. Keep the stories coming. Use the hashtag grab or email us grabbed at nightlightastrology.com. And we will see you guys again on Monday. Take it easy, everyone. Bye.